Yesterday, the Supreme Court heard arguments on the constitutionality of a controversial section of the criminal code, which says that self-induced intoxication cannot be used as a defense. It was a really important day. Joseph Newberger uh, joins us. He's our legal analyst at 640 Toronto and criminal lawyer with Newberger and Partners. To talk a little bit about this, Joseph, as soon as I read this, I said, I got to get Joe on to make sense of what's happening. First of all, the issue um, at issue were the cases of two Ontario men, Thomas Chan and David Sullivan. Can you give us background at um, why their cases are important and what was discussed yesterday? Okay, so both cases involve uh, self-induced intoxication, but with chemicals. And um, it is situations where these two individuals uh, committed uh, acts. One of them was homicide. Uh, but after taking the uh, chemicals, they reached a level of uh, disorientation because of the chemicals that it became a psychosis. So there are some people who are predisposed when they take certain chemicals, and it can be cocaine, it can be marijuana, it could be other substances, <clears throat> including extreme intoxication in some examples with alcohol, where they reach a level of uh, psychosis and they are not operating with a mind knowing what they're doing. So with Mr. Chan, I think that's the murder case where unfortunately as a result of psilocybin, he reached that level, committed a homicide, which was I believe his father, and then uh, unfortunately uh, had his trial, uh, which was to be a murder trial, and they struck down the provision that said you can't use self-induced intoxication as part of your defense, and that's why it's in the Supreme Court. The other one is also an assault which was very, very serious, but the individual survived and similarly had used a chemical which put them into a state of a, a severe uh, state of um, uh, psychosis. So, I mean, this is an important decision. Uh, what What is at stake right now with when the uh, Supreme Court comes back with a ruling here? Well, you've got two sides to this. So the debate that's going on now is essentially there was a case way back when called Davio, which allowed an individual to uh, have a defense based upon extreme intoxication on alcohol to uh, be found not guilty of a sexual assault. Sexual assault is the type of case where you, I'm going to try and explain this as best I can, the intent to commit sexual assault is what we call a general intent. You don't have to specifically intend to do certain things. In first degree and second degree murder, you have to have premeditation and specific intent to kill. So there are specific elements of knowledge that you have to find to convict somebody. In a sexual assault case, it's a more broader general uh, intent. And in that case, the person was acquitted. And then um, the government came in with this section of the criminal code, barring self-induced intoxication, uh, so as to prevent uh, anybody using that against the sexual assault case. But also it impacted other cases where somebody would take uh, an illicit substance and would do harm and uh, could use it as defense. So it was really across the board. Why this is so controversial right now, again, is we have groups like Leith and others coming out to say that if uh, this is upheld by the Supreme Court of Canada, so the section is struck down, then it will open the floodgates to uh, those accused of sexual assault to say they were too intoxicated to know what they were doing and therefore they'll be acquitted. And that's just not true. That won't happen. And I suspect if it's allowed, it's going to be a very specific defense that's allowed. And it's in extreme cases where the level 
of impact of the substance is so severe that somebody's essentially uh, an automaton, so a non-insane automaton, so they're operating without volition, knowing what they're doing, and or they're in a psychosis where they are perceiving other things or they're, they're just not in touch with reality, robbing you in both cases of the mental element. But that, that would be really, really hard to prove, no, Joe? Yeah, it's not like it's not an easy defense. So when people are screaming that we're going to have people acquitted left, right, and center, it, it's, it's, you need very uh, detailed evidence to support what was taken, what amounts were taken, that it resulted in the uh, chemical reaction that resulted in the psychosis. You need psychiatric, probably psychological evidence as well. It is a very significant defense to muster and it's not something you're going to see on a regular and consistent basis. These are rare circumstances, and not everybody who takes a substance will be able to, you know, allege this type of defense because it just won't be met with psychiatric evidence. What do you say to this uh, member of the Saskatchewan government who said that the law has important implications when it comes to deterrence? It deters people from self-inducing uh, extreme intoxication. Uh, to the point that they lose their ability to control themselves. So basically puts the community on notice and says to all people, hey, you're going to be held responsible for the acts you commit while extremely intoxicated. Well, here's the fallacy in that argument. That assumes that somebody is taking illicit substances uh, to such a, a point of consumption that they reach this level of, uh, of confusion or psychosis. And that's not actually true. So the, there's a very fine line here. Somebody can take not even a large amount of cocaine or can be consuming marijuana over a period of time and be susceptible to um, experience of psychosis. So it's not an extreme amount necessarily because some people may be susceptible. And the argument was that, you know, that may still be available under the not criminally responsible area, but I think it's really splitting uh, hairs. So I think it's a fallacy to say it's a deterrent to people to go to that extreme because it happens anyways. And I don't believe in deterrence. I just think what we have to do is ensure that anybody who is accused of criminal offense and is to be convicted beyond a reasonable doubt, you have to prove the mental element. And if truly somebody doesn't have that mental element because of, of the use of a substance which caused the psychosis, then I think it amounts to a defense, and that's a, a charter right. Joe, uh, the justices are going to return uh, with a ruling at a later date. Do you think this is going to be a tough decision for them? Do you think we're going to see... Um, you know, quite a time period before they reach a, um, a, a judgment on this. Absolutely, because it is very challenging for the Supreme Court of Canada. They have to weigh the rights of an individual who's accused versus the rights of victims, because in cases of homicide, it's a victim uh, and, and many others, sexual assault as well. But I just don't think this is going to be used as a vast defense in sex assault cases. But they have to weigh these rights. And there is an element there is a compelling argument by the Crown to say that this is self-induced. So there is a voluntary choice to drink or to take these substances, which you know are not necessarily good for you, and therefore you should be held accountable, which is what you said. So I think there is a compelling argument in that vein, and they're going to have to weigh all of, the, uh, all of these competing interests and then look at the law and the interpretation of that law uh, in conjunction with the Charter and, and arrive at a decision. And I think we'll see a split court. Um, and I think it's going to be a difficult one for them. Joseph, always a pleasure having you on the show. I really appreciate your uh, expertise on these matters. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Kelly. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Joseph Newberger is our legal analyst for 640 Toronto and criminal lawyer with Newberger and Partners.